You are listening to the Pimp Your Burdens podcast, and this is episode number 36. This episode is brought to you by The Fear Guide. Learn practical steps and strategies to shut down the course of fear so that you can take action on your ideas. Get the download for free by visiting thefearguide.com. This episode is also brought to you by Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a day planner, goal-setting guide, and mini vision board that helps you break down your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. Order your own copy by visiting visionaryjournal.co. Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the course of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Welcome to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliant. I am your host, Monique Malcolm, and today I have another inspiring interview with, for you with the wonderful Kate Kenfield. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Kate. Kate is a speaker, writer, and empathy educator. Her workshops, talks, and writings seek to improve people's emotional literacy whether in a professional or personal context. Kate has also developed a unique set of cards that she calls Teen Empathy. She has used these cards in trainings that have helped doctors, students, activists, and many others to better understand and talk about feelings in a practical and non-confrontational way. Kate is really good with communicating and especially communicating feelings. And so in this episode, Kate shares why she started working as an empathy educator how you can practice better self-care by advocating for your own needs, and three ways to improve your relationships in business and in life. So if you're ready, grab your pen and your notebook, and let's dive in. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Monique. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show because you are my first international, but not quite international guest. And I think this is so exciting to be able to like literally interview and talk to somebody who's completely on the other side of the world, which I'll let you tell us in just a second where you are. But um, let's start at the top. So tell us about your business and how you make a living online. Yeah. So I'm a speaker, writer, and empathy educator. I give talks and create content around how to improve relationships Uh, whether those are personal relationships or workplace relationships using um, using better communication skills and in improving specifically empathy and also um, a lot of my work focuses around self-care awesome and where are you located currently i live in melbourne australia but i'm from northern california originally so guys see that how cool is that we are interviewing kate all the way in australia which i feel i just feel so excited about that But let's talk about some of your work uh, with empathy. So take us back to the beginning, because I don't feel like this is just a path that you just stumble into. So how did you (laughs) get started? Like, how did this become a thing? Well, I've had a I've had a bit of an unusual career path. So I've I've been I've been doing public speaking work for about 11 years now. And most of my career was spent doing sex and relationships education for adults. Uh, which I started doing when I was an undergrad. And I uh, was teaching about healthy relationships and sexual health. And I would occasionally teach about empathy as a component 
of healthy relationships. But a few years ago, I had a bit of a sea change in my career. And now the majority of what I teach is uh, specifically about uh, empathy and self-care. And that really had to do with a personal change in my personal life and in my um, my experience of my health. That was something that quite surprised me. And it, it was it, it took my career in some really kind of interesting directions. And th- there's kind of an interesting backstory around that, if you'd like me to tell that. <laughs> I do. We want to hear the whole story. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I um I guess this was in this was in twenty the end of twenty thirteen, beginning of twenty fourteen. My work up to that point had been entirely in the sexual health and relationships education space. In in my own life, I started experiencing chronic migraines. I'd always had migraines, um, but I was getting them maybe once or twice a month up until that point. And then very suddenly, um, I was getting them every single day. And that just changed everything in my life. And if you're unfamiliar with what migraines look like, it's um, it's it's not just a headache. That's something that often uh, people who get migraines will say that it's it's that intense head pain, but it's often accompanied with nausea and sensitivity to everything in the environment. Uh, and it made it so that I found it very difficult to work and sometimes couldn't leave my apartment. And this affected you know, every aspect of my life and really became a, a disability. And um, I was I was getting fantastic medical care, but it took my medical team quite a long time to figure out exactly how to treat my chronic migraines. Um, and while this was happening, you know, there was a great deal of loss and grief that I was experiencing with the the facets of life that I wasn't able to access anymore because of how much pain I was experiencing and um, how 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 much less I was able to do. And this affected my personal relationships a lot and how people respond to other people's life challenges is often something that we're not taught how to do well mm-hmm. i think anyone, um yeah i mean i think um it most of us can relate to this like when we um when we have a rough time when we go through a loss like when we when we experience grief when we have a loss of a loved one um, when we go through significant illness um or when we have a major breakup anything like that when we seek support often the support that we get isn't always what we need because I think we're, we're not taught how to support other people. And um, I was noticing that the people in my life who were amazing human beings who loved me so much were often doing things that were actually creating more disconnection rather than connection mm. uh, with me. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the things that I was getting a lot of was unsolicited advice about how I should be better managing my migraines or um, what things that I should try. And th- most of these things were things I had already investigated and my medical team and I had already evaluated as things that either didn't work or weren't applicable to me. Um, there was a lot of um, cliches about, um, oh, it'll all work out. You'll figure it out eventually. I'm sure I'm sure this will all this all work out eventually. There must be some <laughs> higher, higher pain. And, you know, all of that is kind of placating and not it's not actually empathy. And that was all I really wanted from people was just uh, to be heard and listened to and understood. And and that was something that I noticed that people weren't really um, skilled in doing. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I needed. So it was um, it made me think from from the perspective of someone who had taught people about healthy relationships and how to communicate in relationships. What what was the skill gap here? Because it certainly wasn't a 
a care gap. I knew these people loved me and wanted to support me. What was what was missing here? And I realized that it was this skill set of around around empathy and how to show up for people's pain. I came up with this idea for an empathy workshop in my home and I I called it tea and empathy. And the the basis of this workshop was to invite people into my home to have tea and just kind of have a casual environment and then to have an activity where people could get an experience of receiving empathy around something that they were finding stressful or upsetting in their lives, as well as practice giving empathy. So there was there was no unsolicited advice allowed, no cliches allowed. <laughs> it was just about sitting with those feelings and being present for that and listening. Uh, and so I, I did that in in my apartment because um, I was at this point in my in my challenges with my migraines, I was struggling to leave my apartment and people loved it. The feedback feedback that I got after my first tea and empathy party was that they asked when I was going to do it again. (laughs) And so I kept running these tea and empathy parties for about a year and a half while I figured out what I needed to do to manage my chronic migraines better. And then um, after that, I started running publicly. And since then I've been, been doing that training and other empathy trainings now in I think four countries I've done them in. Oh, that's super exciting. <laughs> I think, well, I, I'm starting to notice this trend um, in the last few episodes that I've done where people have expressed similar things where they're going through difficult times and uh, trying to figure out how to navigate that in both like their business and their personal life and particularly on the business side, just the difficulties around what happens emotionally when your life is going off the rails <laughs> and yeah. you're looking on social media and it seems like everybody else is just living their lives and it's fine and they're launching things and they're hitting on their goals and they're just living their best life. And you're just sitting here like this sucks and everything sucks. And I just feel so bad. And there's not a lot of conversations around like, what do you do when there's, when you have a difficult time in life? Because everybody does at some point. And I I feel like some of those intense feelings of feeling isolated and left out and lonely are intensified by being an entrepreneur because so many things like rest on you. And it's like when you have to take a step back, there's just this space of like, what do you do with yourself now? Like you're supposed to be resting and and healing, but also like you feel sad and, and angry that like people are going on with their lives and things over here just suck and it doesn't feel like there's a a really good place to talk about that so I love that you shared that story (laughs) I think you bring up such a good point I think something that comes up really often in the empathy workshops I'm teaching now is around the the way social media intersects with self-care and how it's it's something that after a stressful day people are often wanting to go onto social media as just a way of kind of unwinding and turning off their brain but it 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 can end up being something that is sometimes beneficial and sometimes detrimental mm-hmm. to their well-being and what you're describing that that sense of loneliness or that sense of um everyone else has it sorted out and i don't can be so destructive and i think i think most people know intellectually that instagram is a highlight reel 
but but I think in in reality, if you're not actually getting to connect with what's real for other people, it's it's hard. I, I sometimes think about the privilege that I have in doing the work that I do is that I I get to hear what's real for people all the time. Like I'm under no delusions that like everyone's having a rough time. You know, everyone's dealing with dealing with this. And and it'll be like in the in the workshops it'll be this epiphany for other people where that like when they'll they'll give a reflection like I had no idea that everyone else was struggling so much. I thought everyone else had this figured out and it was just me. That it, that is so real. A few episodes ago, I did this one about logging off to create and how do you know when it's time to do a, a social media detox. And I had so much anxiety and like reservations around putting that out because I felt like parts of what I wanted to share about my, reluc- my reluctance to use Instagram will come off bitter. <laughs> and <laughs> that's hard because I am a person like people are like, I like you because you're positive and you're inspiring. And that's who I am to my core. But social media is such a rough thing for me because I realize that it's people's highlight reels and that everybody has things in their their lives that are just crazy and off the rails and they're just not showing that. And that's fine. But I, I just always feel like I stand in this place of like, but it's not real. And how do you form connections in a place like and in a meaningful connections in a place where so much of it is like staged? It, it's such a, a rough thing for me to navigate Instagram just because I know that and I, I don't have a solution for it. But like I, I said to I said on that episode and I said this to my husband a few months ago, like like you said, intellectually, we all know that social media is detrimental and that that it's a highlight reel. And I've had so many conversations with other creatives about Instagram in particular being such a source of comparison for them. Mm-hmm. But every day we log on there and we drink from that well and we do it every yeah. single day willingly even though we know that it's the source. And I just, I don't know, I always wrestle with like, what do you do about that? Because you can see the benefits as a business owner and how it can help you put your brand out there and it can do a lot, but it's like, where do you balance the benefits of what it does versus to like what it actually does to you psychologically and emotionally? And it's just, I don't have an answer there. It's just something that I want to say because I just feel like I need to keep reiterating this point (laughs) because it it makes me feel less crazy that um, I experienced such a disconnect there. I, yeah, I think about this a lot actually. And I, I think um, for me, the way I balance that is that I, I accept and enjoy the fact that Instagram is a highlight reel. Like I, I almost think of it as like the way I conceptualize it in my brain is people's gratitude journal. Mm. Like it's rather than thinking of it as a manufactured self, it's the, the things that people are most happy about in their lives. And I try to enjoy it as that. And when I want more meaning and more authenticity, I seek that offline. And I, mm. I that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's often what's missing from people's lives. And and something that I found in the workshops that I teach is when you get people t- talking about feelings around stuff that's real and getting them to engage and be present with those feelings without trying to fix them without trying to offer advice or shift people out of their challenging feeling states as quickly as possible. Just 
getting to really be with what's real, that it's sort of, sort of the, um, the counterbalance to that. But I think that's better achieved offline. Like that's just really getting to be with that in person. I have found. I think some people find that online in in other spaces, but I I personally find that is better achieved offline. I think I'm that person too. That's I think that for me that's one of the big things about social media. I like it and I think it's cute and it can be a nice escape, but I think that I do like connecting with people just offline and getting to hear like what are you doing and how's that working and you know, is there something that I can do that can be a resource or a way to assist you and I don't always feel like social media is that place it just it's a place that we just all show up yeah. <laughs> and we scroll endlessly and you know to to no end but we're getting off track <laughs> and I had some other things oh, I wanted to I ask you well I can talk I listen I think, I, it's, I think it's actually you know I, I think it's it's I think it's probably not what we were planning to talk about but I think it's all relevant because I think it's all about how people feel and what they're what they're trying to feel and how they're trying to get their needs met and and how that's a little bit how that can be a little bit off track and how people are trying to connect. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think the you just use the, the right words for that, like how people are getting their needs met. And that, that even has me thinking right now, like, okay, what you just said about like it being a gratitude journal, like maybe there's some perspective shifting that I need to do around my consumption of social media and also think about what need do I feel like it's filling for me and Maybe that needs to shift and maybe that needs to change. Um, I don't know. But I'm going to think about it now. <laughs> I don't have an answer yet, but if I find one, I'll definitely come back and, and we'll record another episode about it. One thing I wanted to ask you before we get, we've already kind of gone into empathy, but I wanted to ask this at, at the top, but we're circling back. Uh, how do you define empathy? Because I'm not sure that everybody even knows what does that even mean? Yeah, I think a, a lot of empathy researchers aren't even on the same page about what empathy means. So I think when you, um, often when you're reading about empathy or talking about empathy, people are often not on the same page. So I, whenever I teach a workshop on it, I'm always clear, clear about clarifying uh, what I mean when I say empathy. So the way the way I define it is that empathy is about being curious about and non-judgmentally engaged with someone else's emotional world. I find that to be the most useful definition of empathy uh, in terms of actually practicing it in in a way that is helpful and meaningful for improving relationships. I think that in that definition, it includes curiosity, and I think curiosity is really a prerequisite for empathy. I think you can be curious without being empathetic, but it's very difficult to be empathetic without being curious. Like really having that desire to to understand someone else's perspective and understand their their emotional landscape. And then that non-judgment piece is also really important. If someone feels like you're judging them, it's really quite impossible to feel empathized with. So I think also when we're talking about empathy, it's it's useful to understand that I see there being kind of two types of empathy that are important to to understand the the relationship between. So you have um, empathic concern, which is this um, kind of this empathy that I'm describing in this definition, this being curious about and non-judgmentally engaged with someone else's emotional world. That's really very much a skill set, like something you can foster and build over time. It's a social skill. 
increasing your emotional vocabulary can can help improve this. Increasing your listening skills can improve this. And then you have um, empathic contagion. So that's that's an experience that a lot of people can relate to where um, if you walk into a room full of people that have just had a really intense, stressful conversation that you weren't necessarily a part of, but you can kind of feel their anxiety and their tension, you uh-huh. kind of catch uh-huh. feelings. Or um, if someone's just gotten really angry at you and you didn't necessarily cause that anger or anything, but you kind of catch that that anger and you can feel that residual those residual feelings or when you're around a bunch of children that are playing and they're just ridiculously joyful and you can feel that joy that's not really your joy necessarily but you can catch that joy so empathic contagion is just kind of part of being human and being alive and um it's it's something that is good to pay attention to some people are a little bit more susceptible to it than others and it's something that with the with the more kind of challenging emotional spectrum, it can increase burnout to some degree. So this is in my in my work, I work a lot with um, healthcare providers and educators and and people who can work with challenging clients or patients, and they can experience a lot of stress in their work and and working with people who have really challenging life circumstances, and they they can experience a lot of empathic contagion in their work. So this is where having really rigorous self-care practices can become really important to making sure that you're not taking on too many feelings of other people so that you can make sure that you can continue practicing enough empathic concern so that you're effective at your job and still being a caring provider in some way. Okay, so I feel like now would be a great time to talk a little bit about self-care and being intentional for advocating for your own needs, which is something that I really admire about you, um, (laughs) that you're really intentional about like self-care and taking care of yourself and empathizing and um, advocating for your needs, especially when there are things that affect your health or potentially could, you know, trigger a migraine. I know, um, Everyone else doesn't know this, but you and I actually know each other and we spent time together. We've gone to Epcot together. Yeah. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember we were, I don't know what world we were in, in in Epcot. We were visiting one of the countries and there was, I think it was close to India. And there was a room that had like just strong smells and like fragrances. And you were like, yeah, I don't want to go in that room because it can trigger a migraine. And I know like sometimes people will be in a situation and like that and just like, oh, I'm going to just do it because everyone else is doing it. But yeah. you're like, no, I don't I don't want to do that. And it was fine. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. But I just admire how you always just are like, nope, that's that's going to go bad. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. Uh, do you have any insights to share there? Like, how did you get to this point where you can just be like, no, that doesn't work for me and feel like comfortable standing in that? Uh, I I love that you remember that story. <laughs> you know, I think that's um it's something that's hard. I think for like especially for women to be able to stand up for boundaries like that. I think, you know, the way we're socialized is very much to be compliant and to kind of go along with what other people want to do and to not express boundaries. And I think often the way self care is talked about is is very much in this spa day mani petty kind of <laughs> framework and and I think that those are great forms of self-care I think those are totally valid I don't want to poo-poo you know getting a getting a massage as a form of self-care like I think that's that's great but I think that that often the most powerful 
forms of self-care are things like boundary setting. Like that example of me not being able to go into a place that is heavily scented. Scents and incense and air fresheners will trigger a migraine for me very quickly. And then I will be you know, potentially incapacitated for the rest of the day. And that can be a difficult thing for me to to articulate because it might, in my mind, I, I, will, I will sometimes have the thought, this, this will interfere with someone else's autonomy. You know, someone else might want to be going into this space that is heavily perfumed. But I know that I won't be able to participate in life if I do go into this space. Um, so it's, the way I just sort of manage that is that I, have learned to know what my limits are and to just articulate them as kind as possible um, and as clear as possible. One of the things that helps is just surrounding myself with people who, uh, who are kind and who I trust and who are respectful of those boundaries. I think that, that this, is, this is another part of self-care is that it's I can articulate my boundaries all day, but I have to be around people who respect those boundaries as well. I mean, Mm. I think self-care doesn't happen in a vacuum. This is correct. (laughs) And I think sometimes we think that it does. Like, it's like, okay, well, I have to do this and I have to care for myself and I put myself first in all of these things. But I think you just hit on a key point. It's making sure that the people who are in your life actually respect those boundaries that you set. And I mean, that actually kind of gives them a role in your self-care to a certain degree because the expectation is like, I, I set a line here and you have to understand like you can't cross it or you can't push me over the line and being okay with that. Yeah. I'll talk about this idea of pair care as well. Like I think, um, I think self care, the definition of self care that I use is that it's self directed actions to allow you to restore so that you can participate in life in ways that are meaningful to you, but they're not necessarily solitary. So I think it's it's important with self-care for these these things to be guided by you to help restore you. But some of the most powerful forms of self-care are things that involve other people because connection and community and and the assistance of others are often things that really help restore us and fill fill up our cups so that we can um, regenerate well. Um, and that's that's I love that yeah I think that's a really important part of it and I think this is where the empathy piece ties back into the self-care I think I think with self-care can make us more better resourced to be more empathetic to others but I think that having bringing empathy into our relationships allows our relationships to be stronger so those relationships are more nourishing and um and and more supportive of our self-care I love that I've I, you're the first person that I've heard that called, you know, that said it in that way that it isn't just about you solely. It's self-directed, but it also it involves other people. So that's a really good point. I don't know if you talk a lot about that, but if you don't, you should add it to your list. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about because it a lot in my trainings. <laughs> oh, well, then I feel like we just need to have you come back in and we need to do like a training or something because a lot of people need help with self-care. And um I think what you just described is like spot on and we don't even really think about those things. Thanks. Hey, Star Chasers. Still struggling to reach your goals? The Visionary Journal is a goal setting system encompassing everything you need to successfully achieve your goals. It seamlessly blends goal setting, visualization, planning your day to day and regular review to help you get from idea to done. 
The Visionary Journal is designed to help you transform your goals into actionable tasks and integrate them into your schedule. You start with the big picture areas of your life, set smart goals, create a 90-day action plan, and commit to doing the work that will move you closer to achieving that goal. For more information and to order your own copy, visit visionaryjournal.co. I want to switch gears just a bit because I want to ask you about some things like that involve running your businesses, specifically, like what are some of your challenges, especially what are your challenges now that you've left the U.S. and like you're <laughs> international now? <laughs> I have some... If you have any that you want to share. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are my challenges? I have boring challenges like dealing with taxes because <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I pay taxes in two countries. That's boring, but that's a challenge. I think one of my one of my challenges, I think, is knowing when to, I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs experience is when to do something yourself versus when to hand it off to somebody who's more of an expert. And the story of my life. <laughs> right, right. And I, th- I think it's when is that when do you learn a new skill? Because so, so much of that entrepreneur's journey is when do you learn a new skill to add to your repertoire versus when do you just hire somebody where when, where that's their expertise and and surrender to that and I, I I've learned like one of the things that I've learned um, is that it's usually better to just hire someone else when that's their expertise like um, with my upcoming crowdfunding campaign, like I've I've read a lot about how to do Kickstarter well and do all of that and like enough to be kind of across things. But ultimately, I've I've hired someone who's a crowdfunding expert to project manage it for me and implement things. And it's just made my life infinitely easier. <laughs> you know, what? I think a lot of times we underestimate like how much work it's taking us to actually DIY something, even if it does save us money, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't save us time. And sometimes it's it's a lot more stress. I actually, as of last month, have handed off podcast editing to someone else. And I've been p- editing my own podcast for over a year. And in my mind, I didn't feel like it was the worst part of the process. <laughs> I felt like writing the show notes were the worst part of the process and just like all the little tedious things that go along with uploading a, a show. But after I handed it off to her and just to have somebody email and be like, hey, the show is done and it's in the folder. Like the first time she did that, I feel like like she gave me a whole birthday cake and was like, here's a whole cake. Eat it by yourself. <laughs> because I was like so over the moon excited about it because I was like, wow. And it it really changed the dynamics of how I feel about the podcast because I love the podcast, but I was getting to a point where I was getting burnt out because it's, I, I don't really have true seasons. So it just kind of felt like it was becoming relentless where like I was on this wheel every week of having to edit and record and do all of the things for it. And it was draining and it just really kind of made me a little sour about the podcasting thing because it's like, oh, it just takes so much time. But then I I outsourced that and I was like, oh, now like I can just show up and record it and be like, here's the thing. And you send it to me when you're done. And then when she does, I just put it where it goes, which that's the next thing I'm working on, like hiring somebody to 
handle the the little admin tasks that are attached to it. Yeah. But once I get that done, like, and I only have to record, like, it just changed everything. I was like, yes, let me go book all the guests now because I don't have to edit it anymore. That's brilliant. And then you get to create more content and you get to create more value in the world and you get to just do what you're brilliant at. I think this is a, it's this is a hard lesson, I think, for every business owner I know is just knowing knowing when to do that but I think you know I think it's being anytime you own your own business like you you want to take risks when it's appropriate but then you want to be cautious with not spending money recklessly and I think often where entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. do that is by doing everything themselves they take risk with the self-employment thing but then do everything themselves and then overworking Mm -hmm. themselves and yeah but they you need to I mean, I think this is part of self-care as well is being more guarded with your time and where, how do you do that and how do you do that well? And I mean, I think one of my, my best self-care things I ever did was invest time in some Gmail canned responses. Yes. (laughs) Like with my, because there, there are just certain, there are certain emails like unsolicited emails that I'll get from strangers that are just the same ones over and over again. And I just crafted some useful canned responses (laughs) that I can send out that have saved me days of time, days of time. And that's one of my forms of self-care. And that's a super smart form of self-care. So if you don't know what a a canned response is, it's basically like it's in your email. You have to turn it on in Gmail um, in the settings, but it is, they're like pre-crafted emails that are in the little composer and you click it and like one could be like turning down collaboration ideas and that's mm-hmm. what you title it and you click it and it fills in the subject line and it puts in whatever blurb is there and then you just send the email off and you don't have to keep typing the same responses over and over again. It's super smart. That's actually how I alert people to when their show episodes are ready. Um, to go live like there's a few things that I have to tweak for each show but I don't have time to type that up every single time so I just yep. saved it as a camera response <laughs> yeah that's brilliant it's brilliant anything like there's so much to efficiency that's actually self-care mm-hmm. when I when I teach about self-care in my workshops I talk about the different types of self-care and one of the types that I talk about is adulting things that are adulting self-care these things that are a little bit unglamorous but actually necessary to being able to participate in life in ways that are meaningful to you. And, and they're often these, I love that. these efficiency things like that, like a Google can response thing, or um, like for me, you know, having my, my Google calendar really well maintained and keeping everything organized in there. Cause I, I'm one of those people that just, if I, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and oh yeah, and, same. And my friends know that when they, when they send me a calendar invite, it's like a present. <laughs> <laughs> they sent you the birthday cake <laughs> for sent- the calendar invite exactly they know that's like oh swoon oh and you have the location already in it <laughs> dreamy <laughs> i love that i love how we all have like our little things yeah exactly <laughs> they're just like little quirky things that we love i love that so much just like having those quirky things i think that's part of the self-care piece too is that it's it's taught um it's often talked about as though it's this one one size fits all thing they know that everybody should be taking a yoga class and that's what self-care is or you know and and people but it really is such a bespoke thing the things that work for you that are going to refill your cup 
when it's really, it's so incredibly unique, the things that nourish people. And it can be sometimes a little embarrassing. Like I'll do, I'll do an exercise in my, in my workshops where I have people write kind of embarrassing, guilty pleasure, uh, self-care that they do on a post-it and I have them put it in a little bag and then we mix them up and then read them out. (laughs) It's, It's hilarious. The things that people do and, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful to see the things that people do and, but often just like a little bit embarrassing and silly, but it's great. It makes me really happy. Do you have an example of one that like is just so funny that you always like think about? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, sometimes it'll be like really sweet. Like um, I was teaching a, a group of dentistry students and um, you know, they're, they, they all seem like quite kind of buttoned up serious intellectual students. And one of them admitted, you know, anonymously to singing Disney songs by themselves in the shower <laughs> you know, and somebody in another workshop said that one of their self-care things was like wa- watching those pimple popper videos on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, you know, but it's like things like this. It's like, hey, no, not my jam, but no judgment, you know, whatever, whatever does it for you. One of my one of my guilty pleasures that I just actually love. I don't spend a ton of time on YouTube because it can just be a mess. I love watching the BuzzFeed Try Guys because I just find them to be so hilarious. But they used to do this this thing where they would try different international foods, <gasps> and some of them. There's this one I can't even say the word. It's like cross-lostroming. It's like a a pickled herring in a can. It's just so bad. I'm going to link to this video in the show notes. And like, if I'm having a bad day, I watch that video and there has never been a time that I have not laughed myself to tears because it's the reactions to it. It looks gross. And like the way that they reacted to then they were supposed to eat it was just like hilarious. And there's like this one guy who's like trying to eat it and he's like gagging his way through it. And every time I see it, like I lose it and I just laugh myself. I think it's the funniest thing. And so I I just love all of their like international food tasting things because it's so funny to me, like, especially I'm a person who's like a super picky (laughs) eater. So it, I couldn't do it, but I, I feel very tickled by watching other people do it. But that's like one of my favorite things to do. And then my other favorite thing is what I call a secret lunch. <laughs> and a secret lunch is when I go during the times that my son and my husband are at work, I go and I eat a lunch somewhere secretly. And I eat like sometimes I eat secret sushi and they like, did you really go to the sushi place without us? And I'm like, I did. I did go get secret sushi today. <laughs> it's like my best favorite thing ever because sometimes like I don't want to negotiate what we're going to have for lunch or dinner. Like I just want to eat what I want to eat. So at least like once every couple of weeks, I just go to whatever place and eat like secret tacos or secret Thai food, whatever I'm feeling that day. Like I eat it. And sometimes I eat it for like an entire week straight and I don't even feel bad about it. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> can I can I tell you can I tell you my guilty pleasure self care that yes. I've been doing? So I've been uh, a couple friends of mine introduced me to a Netflix reality show that I've become oh my gosh. slightly obsessed with. <laughs> I needed I needed um I don't watch a ton of TV but I like TV and 
um, normally I'm not super into reality TV that's overly judgmental, but like I love, I just wanted something that was a bit lighthearted and escapist. And a friend of mine just suggested the perfect thing. It's, it's a Japanese reality show that's a little bit like Big Brother and it's called Terrace House. And it's, it's like these six people that live in this, in this beautiful house. And it's so wholesome. It's just ridiculous. It's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's all subtitled. Oh my gosh. And like when it was described to me, I was sort of like, mm, I don't know if that's my jam. And now I'm just completely into it. And, <laughs> and I watch it with them and they're amazing cats. It's on my lap and we get food delivered and it's just like amazing self-care after a challenge oh, week it's dreamy i love that listen like you said everybody has like there's something but i think it's so it's so neat to like hear what other people are doing that just like fills them up and like i know i probably shouldn't eat that much sushi but i don't even care <laughs> i just do it because i like it it makes me feel good and so at this point, we're getting close to the end. So I have just a few more questions for you. But the big one is, uh, what do you feel like has been your biggest lesson learned on your journey so far? Gosh, I'd say the power of the power of relationships, really, and how much that's been pivotal for me in everything that I've done. Like I think about from the beginning of my career to to now, um, like I really I got my start in my speaking career because of an incredible mentor that I have and nurturing a relationship with her uh, and really putting myself out there and, and seeking out her mentorship. That was really what launched my speaking career. And then, I mean, at every kind of pivotal moment of my career, it was really about fostering a meaningful relationship with someone offline. A lot of my relationships um, that have been meaningful in my career have started through social media, but they've always flourished offline. And and I think, yeah, I just can't really underestimate how how important that's been to yeah to develop those and and to let people help. Mm-hmm. I think like something that's been really meaningful for me more recently in my career is having mentees of my own. I have two amazing mentees in my life right now that um, I meet with once a month and have dinner with them. And that's been really meaningful to me. Yeah, I think that like seeing that how that cycle works, I think has probably been one of my, yeah, probably my biggest lesson. <laughs> I love that. All right. So last but not least, my favorite part of the show, which is the Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. I feel like I need like a sound bite that's like the Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. <laughs> And it's like echoey, like audio for that. (laughs) But Kate is going to share with us three key ways to improve your relationships in business and in life. I love it. I should should be throwing some some glitter or something as part of this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there should be like those air cannons, like pew, 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 pew. And then like you come in and you like blow us away with your insight. That'd be amazing. I would love that. It'd be great. Uh, okay, so my, my first one is um, to listen and offer empathy before you give advice. I think this is something that often people forget to do. When people are coming to you with 
some stress that they're having or when they're having a difficult time in some way, often our first instinct is to give them advice or tell them how they should be handling something better or giving them strategy in some way. But it's really difficult to action any advice if we don't feel seen and heard first. And this is a a dynamic that I see playing out a lot. But if you can listen first and offer empathy and helping them figure out what it is that they're feeling and giving that reflection first, it can go a really long way in improving the relationship. And if they actually do want advice, your advice is going to be better. So listen and offer empathy before you give advice. So the second one is uh, increase your emotional vocabulary to build self-awareness and empathy for others. I think um, one of the biggest things that you can do if you're wanting to improve your empathy is to just increase the number of feelings words that you know, like beyond just sad, angry, frustrated, uh, really just um, improving improving your vocabulary there can um, can really help increase the amount of feelings that you can recognize in others and recognize in yourself can go a really long way. So number three is um, build your self-care fortress so that you can sustainably show up in your life and in business in ways that are meaningful to you. So in the trainings that I do around self-care, I talk about this idea of a self-care fortress. And I, I like this as a metaphor because I think about this really strong structure that you build to weather the storms of life. And self-care should really be not just one thing that you do, but multiple things that you do that keep your system strong so that if um, inevitably when stuff happens to you that is challenging, you have good systems in place to refill your cup so that you can regenerate and restore. And And as we talked about, that's not something that you should have to do alone. It's just something that is self-directed. Awesome. Well, those were three really great tips and I will have them listed in the show notes as well. If, well, before I ask you where listeners can find you, tell us about your tea and empathy cards because you've mentioned them a couple of times and I know you have something coming up. So now would be a great time for you to share that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the tea and empathy cards are a tool that I developed for my tea and empathy workshops to, help people with improving their empathy skills. So basically what they they are, are it's a deck of cards and they each have a different feeling on them and they can be used in a number of different ways to exchange empathy between people or people use them on their own as a solo self-care practice and self-reflection tool. Often people will use them as a, as journaling prompts one of the most common ways that people will use them is they'll they'll think about something that they're feeling and they'll go through the deck of cards and they'll think about each feeling that comes up on each card and then they'll place the cards that reflect the feelings that they're feeling um, out in front of them. And it can just be really helpful for unpacking the way you feel about something and then communicating that to someone else or just to yourself. And it's, it's amazing how getting those feelings out of your head can really feel powerfully healing. It sounds quite simple, but can be really impactful. And then when you get all of those feelings laid out in front of you, you can actually move them around and organize them. And being able to organize your feelings is something that can be quite difficult in your head, but actually having these cards in front of you can allow you to do that and make some sense of them and and make connections between feelings and allow you to talk about them. That can be really helpful for processing your feelings and moving through them. 
So it's um, I use them in a number of different ways in the workshops, and I had originally created them just as a tool for those workshops, but then people started asking me for their own decks to take home. Then I started selling them just as a print-on-demand thing where people could buy them, and so it's, it's, it's turned into quite a thing. <laughs> it's gotten to the point, though, where I need to... Um, have a better system in place for people to to purchase them. So I'm doing a, a crowdfunding campaign at the moment through Kickstarter where people can get a nice custom-made box and a nice instruction manual. That's something that I'm super excited about and has been in the works for some time. Yes. So tea and empathy cards, guys, they're going to be on Kickstarter and you're going to get a set. I will link them in the show notes and they should there should also be a link inside of your podcast app. If you look at the description, there's a link in there and you can click it and go check out the campaign, which you totally should. And with that being said, do you have any books that you've read recently? Because we, we are readers here. Mm. So do you have any book recommendations? Yeah, I think the the best book that I've read about empathy is Megan Devine's It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Or It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Um, it's a book about grief. So it's, it's very much targeted for people who've had, uh, had, had death and loss. Um, and she's, uh, Megan's a, a, a therapist and, and grief expert, but I think, I think this book is just required reading for anyone who is human. And it's very much in line with my philosophy on empathy and how to show up better for other humans. It's, a really powerful read and beautifully written and um, I think just very helpful for knowing how to support people better in, in our lives. Awesome. So that'll be in the show notes as well. And then if people want to find you online, how will they get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can find me at katekenfield.com um, and there's more info about the Teen Empathy cards at teenempathy.org and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at katekenfield. Awesome. All right. So there you guys have it plenty of things for you to think about, especially around empathy and self-care. And this is why I had Kate on because I knew she was going to just wow us with her, just how delightful she is about like being a better person and having feelings and how it's okay. And you can still show up and like be the best version of yourself and support other people in the process. So thank you again for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Monique. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Uh-huh.